Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of This Korean Life. Don't make a shit part joke. Don't make a shit part joke. Today's episode is brought to you by Genius English Camp. By taking English beyond the classroom, Genius English Camp strives to provide excellent teaching with excellent opportunity. As a brand, their aim is to connect, inspire, and develop, to connect the individual to the world at large, to inspire them to greatness, and to develop their English and interpersonal skills and give them the necessary tools for success. Uh, Lyle, who's actually our guest today on the podcast, uh, showed me some of his pictures from his previous trip. Helicopters, museums, hikes, picnics, markets, sunsets on the beach. Uh, in this year's special event for their South African trip is sleeping in Nelson Mandela's home and having the opportunity to meet some close friends and share some stories together. What are you waiting for? Mention this Korean Life podcast for a special discount. Connect, inspire, develop with Genius English Camp. To speak to someone in English, call Lyle at 010-8539-9761. To speak to someone in Korean, call Suhyun at 010-8399-9761. This episode is also brought to you by ESL Hacker. Are you tired of teaching the same old garbage, boring books over and over and over again? When the new semester starts, you look at that book and you think, oh, what am I doing with my life? Guys, take a minute, visit eslhacker.com. Check out some of uh, some of the contents that they provide. They have got pop songs. They have a cool true story section and also a free monthly newspaper. Some of the things are paid. The monthly newspaper is free. Stop winging your classes. Get some good material. Go in. Enjoy yourself. Students will love it. Moms will love it. Your director will love it. Anyways, uh, you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at ESL Hacker or the main website at ESLHacker.com. Now, today's guest, the one and only Lyle Bachis, the founder and president of Genius English Camp. Uh, we sat down today for an interesting chat about his entrepreneurial endeavors. Say that five times fast. And some of the challenges and successes he has faced so far. You'll hear about his South African roots, uh, his unique story of the first time he visited Korea, long before he ever decided to come back. And he also touches on married life in Korea, his incredible work ethic, and tells a story of a chance meeting with Trevor Noah in New York. Great story, great man. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life. Today we are sitting here with Lyle Bachis. Lyle, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think we've tried to set this up before. We've met several times off mic discussing your entrepreneurial hustling lifestyle. Um, anyways, just the first thing I want to touch on, on your Facebook, there's it, it's a lot of positivity and there's a lot of hard work going on. You're not you're not afraid of hard work. You're a very positive guy. Tell me about your about your current work i mean on your facebook page i see you're mm-hmm. always on airplanes you're flying here and there give us uh give us a little introduction to to lyle lyle Bachis. well um the first thing i'll say is mm. i'm relentless 
you know, uh, when it comes to, to work and work ethic. Um, and it's all about getting better or striving mm. for striving for excellence. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that's what inspires me. What's the goal? What's, what's pushing you? Ooh, um, is it? I mean, <laughs> well, well, when, I, when I came here, it was, uh, it yeah. was 100% absolutely come and crush and make as much money as you uh-huh. can. That was the early, the early motivations for me. Now it's, now it's changed slightly. You get, a, you get a little comfortable and you go, ah, yeah. and your, your priorities change. But what's, yeah. your, uh, what's burning the fire under your, under your, uh, under your undong either? Oh, um, <laughs> man, I'd say definitely uh, knowing what it's like to be poor. Mm. right like growing up growing up poor in south in south africa mm. um yeah at the time we didn't we didn't know we were poor right. because everyone else in our community was poor yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? so um yeah when you get out of that community and you see what other people have and what the, yeah that's definitely definitely what drives me and when i say growing up poor i don't mean we we lacked everything mm. right? i was just gonna say can you give us some perspective on what yeah what poor is well i'll give you a a very good example so buying trousers right so when we grew up we never bought trousers that matched our our height oh okay okay. so my mom always bought trousers like three four sizes um too big okay and then they'd roll up the legs um and then the more you grew the more they would roll it down. Um, <laughs> you never got the hand-me-downs from your 20 cousins? Uh, <laughs> I, I used to get my cousin who was 15 years older uh-huh. than me. They'd come down through the chain of cousins and I would get them 10 years later. Yeah, no, in my family, like, there's, there aren't many boys, right? So we've got like 20 girl cousins and three boy cousins. Yeah, so. <laughs> You'd look good in a skirt. Oh, <laughs> these legs, huh? <laughs> it's funny now that <clears throat> you say growing up poor. I, I think that's, I mean, getting your pants and rolling them and, and unrolling, that's kind of a good conscious decision to, to not waste so many goddamn clothes. I had never, ever in my life thought about shopping, uh, seasonally shopping. I have some some of my older students, the, the older lady students. Yeah. Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, I did my spring shopping. Like, what is... What is spring shower? That's, what, been, that's been going on for years what and is, years. And I, would, I was never. That's the garment industry that's that yeah. we have now that is one of the biggest problems going. I was never aware of that. And she's she's like, oh, I did my winter shopping. Like my winter is just like <laughs> a, my t-shirt with a long sleeve shirt underneath that's it. Right, yeah. You know, it was uh, it, it was shocking to shocking to hear that. So you grew up in South Africa as well? No, no. Um, <laughs> no I actually I grew up. I'd say until uh, till about high school lived a very comfortable life yeah. then parents parents split and things got a little a little tighter so i had a taste i had a taste yeah. of that too man it was rough got yeah, through mean, it and mm, i'm gonna going. be 40 next year but i don't think it's that old but it is 40 years ago and i think it, it was a lot different i mean these days I, I think there's so many people living in debt just to have the the, the necessary things that yeah when i grew up you, if you didn't have the money you probably didn't have it and we didn't have all these electronic gadgets yeah. and it just didn't change so fast. It it didn't evolve so quickly. And uh, the must-haves were, like they say, a, a clicky pen was <laughs> was the thing to have. But it wasn't an iPhone or something. So, but it might be too that you, I mean, you were probably comparing with, or your parents were probably comparing with their circle of friends. Now, what the the input the input you're getting is from the from the from the whole world, right? So you're you're always you know one but step it, it one step. It seems like like. I mean, how many years ago it was a lot more modest than it is now. And it was the old, you know, you make money and you save it and you spend what you have. You don't have 20 credit cards and yeah. line of credits and stuff that are all maxed out. But 
it's evident at home just in the houses and everything that you know there's no more you know 800 square square foot starter houses they're they're all mansions for me i mean i live in a small apartment here so i'm mind boggled when i go home and see just the 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 hugeness of everything and and how much people have it's just but that that'll that'll swing back to right everyone I, I think people are very. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they yeah, saw. I'm not so sure about that, man. I don't yeah, know. Wait till the the houses aren't going to get smaller. Not Maybe people will stop. Well, I see the 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 tiny house movie. That's a little bit extreme, but uh, my house isn't isn't huge by any means. This is that's the end of it. <laughs> I can see I can see from one side to the other. You know, it's. Uh, Where do, do you think that culture is worse? Or do you think it's worse in Korea or back home? Oh, that's a good question. Which I'd one? say the what, consumer culture. Yeah, yeah. Here. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's because we live in Ulsan, but mm-hmm. this is quite quite a rich, quite a, a rich, well-off city. Yeah, and I notice it here more. Maybe because I don't know. I teach in the department store. What, what do you think? <laughs> definitely back back in Korea. Definitely experience it a lot more here than in South Africa. Mm. Um, just the latte department, family <laughs> department <laughs> culture. Um, but that's having to not dress everybody. up to go to that to the department store. To the um, department store, they dress up to go to the corner store. But I feel at home, one thing is having all the space, and having the big houses. <laughs> like like my brothers and sisters have Christmas decorations, Easter decorations, Thanksgiving, de- and they got closets to put all this stuff in. Yeah, we don't have the space here, so we just don't have all that stuff. Yeah. we just have what's necessary, which is yeah. a tree the, and the minimal <laughs> amount of stuff and. Now you see these shows on TV that buried alive in your home or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't watch them. I've seen clips and pieces and I go, oh my God, the hoarders. But it's true. The bigger house you have, the more shit you have. And and that's why I like living in an apartment here, which, you know, growing up at home, you you love your yard. You love to play outside. And you, I, I never want to live in an apartment. How can you live in an apartment with no yard? But we have yeah. the park behind our house. But what I've realized now is we don't collect all the shit. And, and it's, it's not necessarily junk, but... Man, do I really need? Do you realize you can live without that? Right? Do I really yeah. need Thanksgiving yeah. decorations and Easter decorations? And like he said, uh, the seasonal clothing. But there's seasonal interior decorating also that my mama put up her winter decorations. And and then in the spring, you know, it might be some warmer colors. And in the summer, it's going to be some yellows and oranges and reds. But you know how many home decorating stores there are at home? Yeah. It's crazy. And they sell you this. You know, you got to re-update your house. You gotta, you're having people over. In Korea, we don't have that many people over. And I think I live a much more minimal lifestyle here than I would at home. So apart, less, apart less from cleaning too. Yeah. Apart from fancy clothes, handbags, and just a few superficial items. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they've lived pretty basically. Hmm. And, and I mean, there is no interior decorating in their homes. Yeah. They're, they're all the same. They're all basic. Um, they're nice. But, you know, they don't have... A lot of the consumerism that we have because they don't have the space. We have seven people. We had five cars, six cars. <laughs> you never see that here. There's nowhere to park one car. So I think I see it way more at home. You you said relentless at the beginning. Yes, sir. I I notice your uh, on your page there that it's always going on three hours sleep, going on four hours sleep, or or nonstop and flexing the pipes and everything. But I, I was like that from a very, very young age. And our parents instilled in us that we should work for everything we have. And we all have part-time jobs from very young ages and full-time jobs in the summers from very young ages. And we worked and partied mm-hmm. and studied. And that's all we did. 
But I remember high school and university years, I mean, in the summers, you would party till 2, 3, 4 in the morning. You, you remember them? I'm not saying it was healthy. <laughs> but we would come home at 3, 4 in the morning, and we would drive to the golf course at 6 o'clock to cut greens. Yeah. And, you know, we thought we were indestructible, and we were doing what's right because we were enjoying our life, we were working hard, we were studying hard, and that was our balance, but we didn't sleep at all. And mm-hmm. I used to be the guy who said, Mom, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. I don't need to sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I don't know how old you are, but I think you're a little bit younger than me. Um, but I've well, come to, well, getting up there. I've, I've, come, <laughs> yeah. I've come to realize that, and only when I watched uh, that podcast, who, yeah. Rogan's with the sleep specialist, did I re- start to realize really how important it was. And I started getting, committing to seven hours of sleep a night. Wow, I feel great. But then I think, imagine how many years I lost of getting four and five hours. And when we had the kids, I was up at midnight all the time. And middle of the night for crying babies and but i wonder for you do you realize recognize how, where do you value sleep in terms of relentless work getting her done hobby hustles uh, for me it's all about opportunity right so right now i've got an opportunity to make money an opportunity that might not be there a year later so i don't mind sacrificing right now to reap the rewards hopefully later yeah that's that, that was always my that, my thing too exactly, with with, uh, with getting different different jobs here and there yeah. when i came 2007 the the mindset was and everyone said like we got five years max until this until this gravy train is runs runs dry and i went only five years oh you know and just in crush it's still luckily it's still it's still going but do you think that we'll still have this opportunity Five, ten years from now. Sure. Absolutely. With yeah. advances in technology. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I, I don't think people it's, will. It's, I, it's not related only to technology. I mean, I teach, mm-hmm. I teach women who are looking to keep their brains active, to get out of the house, to meet new people. Yeah. Um, it's not just the pursuit of English for studies or grades or marks or whatever. Like there, There's elderly classes now to keep them from dementia and stuff. Um, so that, and there's, the, culture, the culture here is... To, to be involved, to be engaged with every aspect of your life, right? If they're going to the company, they're they're with their they're having dinner with their company guys on the weekends or, or weeknights, whatever. They they always want to be engaged, which is I think why they're healthy for for so long. These careers, yeah, the company work, the exchange students, all of that. Sure, that's life, man. That's not that's not going anywhere. The the purpose of why they study English might change as the test becomes less important, but I think it's, it's going to be there for a long time, sure. But I mean, the need for an actual teacher in a classroom. When, uh, right now, you can go on YouTube, uh, have lessons on YouTube, not pay a cent. Or you can have the online classes, which is a lot cheaper. Yeah, but I think yeah. that's... I've thought about that too, but I think people want the interaction. They want to be in the classroom. They want, you know. I, I think I mean, you can do everything on your phone. Is that the society we want to live in? I mean, right? Eventually, you're going to be able to do... Right? We can already do so much... But like you said, eventually it's going to come back to, hey, I want to talk to someone. I want to see someone. I want to mm. feel there. And, and you can only do so much of that online. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, like the, the VIP kids and stuff for China, which is huge now. Or I think that's kind of the second best option. If you can't afford the person in your house, if you don't have access to the people, then maybe that's the best thing you can do. For me, if I want to learn Spanish and there's no Spanish teachers here, well, sure, I'm going to go online because that's the next best option. Yeah. But... I think lots of us have seen Duolingo and the likes and those programs online. You can only learn so much, and then eventually you have to do it. 
And I think the Koreans are, are evidence of that. You can only study your book and with the Korean teacher so much. And eventually you have to actually, you have to actually do it. And without that, you're only you're limited in your capacity. A few weeks ago, we were at uh, we were at Sticky Fingers. What was the band? Walking Walking After You. Yeah. Listen, the, these were four these were four girls that absolutely blew my mind. He mm-hmm. told me like, hey, watch these girls are gonna be good. Yeah. They played an unreal set, and I and I recorded about a thirty second, um, you know, a thirty second clip of it. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my class the next week, wow, you should have seen these girls. It was amazing. Check out this video. And when I'm watching it, I went. Ah, that the feeling wasn't it, it, it wasn't there. Um, being being there live and feeling that energy went like it, it was completely different. You the know? value of the experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, oh, I like that. I like that. And you know, I think being in a classroom and and even just talking to someone on online or if it's phone teaching, whatever, it it does it lacks that. There's something about being present in the class and interacting face to face that you can't get online. But my my question is, why do Korean kids study English? The majority of Korean kids study English to eventually pass a, a test, test. Yeah. Right? They yeah, don't. The only reason. Yeah, they don't study it to use it in a practical way. Mm. Um, so, which is what I think is different with Japan. Uh-huh. In Japan, you have basic, maybe elementary school English like they have here in school, but they don't all go to academies. The guys who want to work with the UN, who want to be multinational businessmen, Mm -hmm. they do the Hagwon Academy stuff. Much like Canada, if you want to to be that and you need three or four languages, you go and do it, but the whole country doesn't do it. Where That's the biggest difference for me in Korea is that, I I mean, almost every kid in the country studies English and 99% of them won't use it in their professional life. Or their career, even though they have to pass the test. So, so instead of the materialism, instead of having the, the bigger house, it's sending your kid. Oh, my kid goes to math. I'll go. Oh, mine's got to go too. Right. Yeah. That's the. It's keeping up with the with the Kimses. Uh, not too long ago, we had Connette uh, on here. She's also from South Africa, <clears throat> and and she said uh, she was mentioning some of the reasons she came and stuff. And I was wondering, you said growing up poor. I was wondering what your uh, inspiration was to come or why you decided to come and what was it like at home and what is the difference now that you're here because she talked a lot about that she's not interested in really going back quickly because of the conditions and she and she really enjoys it here yeah. and she kind of came over here by luck but now that she's here she she really enjoys it and she'll see where where life takes her but how about for you what was your what drove you to come over oh my first experience um, in korea was actually way back in 2004 2004 2005 uh, I had an uncle who was working and teaching English out here. So we came over um, one summer. We came for about two weeks. No way. Uh, yeah, I think that was with the... Oh, man. Yeah, there was some outbreak um, and flights were like really cheap. MERS. Uh, I'm not sure if it was MERS. Uh, yeah, but there was some outbreak like mm. way back then. And Singapore <laughs> Airlines had like $500 flights, return flights to Korea. And yeah. everyone was like scared to fly, <laughs> right? Um, oh, I think it was with the anthrax. Um, was some anthrax uh-huh. way back then um yeah so we took the opportunity we came over uh, and it was a strange place back then right <laughs> like Just, remember, sorry, sorry. How, uh-huh. how old were you around then i was 15 15 nate's digging for his for your question too i came over in my early 20s yeah but i was old enough to to filter a little bit of whatever i traveled a bit so <laughs> if it's your first time out of country or out of africa or South Africa, and you're you're initiated with Korea. Holy, man, that's, yeah. that's a culture shock. It, it was <laughs> different, man. Like um, baptism of. I remember tasting kimchi for the first time, and I'm like, "But 
why will you eat something that's fermented? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like fresh cabbage. Like, <laughs> and then Korea has a strange way of growing on you, man. I remember after that experience, um, <laughs> planning to, to get my degree and then come over for a year. And then you go back home and you realize how much you've changed while you're in Korea. Yeah. Was that your first time mm-hmm. out of Southern or I mean, I don't, I'm assuming you might have traveled to other countries around yeah. South Africa. So was that first your time first out time out of Africa? Out of Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, a good experience, man. Um, like I, I remember in South Africa or at least the community I grew up in, like at 5 p.m. everything closes. Like, <laughs> yeah, the restaurants, like everything, because we grew up in a city called uh, in Cape Town, right? Yeah. In one of the suburbs called Kales River. And like there's a saying like Kales River closes at 5 p.m. Mm. Like there's nothing that you can do after five. Right. And I remember in Korea, like we were still suffering heavily from jet lag the first week. Yeah. And at, at 4 a.m., my buddy was like, hey, so do you want to go outside and get a snack? And I was like, yeah, but it's 4 a.m. And I was like, oh, no, we'll go to the convenience store. <laughs> yeah. And we go outside and like everything is on. Everything is open. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, oh, man, it was amazing. Yeah. An amazing experience. It's cool, um, eh? I, I, my Ghanaian students at Eunice there, when they come over, I, they, most of them have never left Ghana. And they say they arrive in Seoul and they just go, wow. Yeah. I, I, just, I just can't imagine the, the shock and the awe that they must feel. Um, and I, I've lived in Ghana and, and been all over the West there. And I just can't imagine how shocking it must be. And, and at 15, I mean, you must do, obviously it was life changing and inspiring because you're back here and doing it now. Yes, sir. So that was my first, um, my first introduction to Korea and then went back home, studied for a bit. I lived in the UK for a while uh, and then went back to South Africa, got my degree and decided to come over for a year. And as, as I said, yeah, Korea has a way of growing on you. Mm. Right. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. What did, what did you study? <clears throat> I did psychology. Oh, me too. Well, I didn't really study. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know we had this kid in our class, um, Ilan, and she was she was the brains of the class, man. Um, and she had a thing for chocolate muffins. Yeah. So I realized if I buy enough chocolate muffins, I can get Ilan to do my assignments for me. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. yeah, there were some some girls that helped me as well through through uni. I started uni at eighteen, and it was I was far too young. And and mentally immature to to be studying at uh, at uni. It wasn't that the the topics were too hard to grasp, but just mm-hmm. just immature men. Like studying yeah, was yeah, studying yeah. was the wasn't my first priority at all. If I could do it again, I would like to I'd like to put more more effort into it. I think there's so much you can grab from the the culture of the campus or just generally putting in putting in the work and you know in, in, in when you get your degree you're like yeah i, I earned this I, I don't feel like i really earned was this. what psychology your choice <clears throat> uh i applied for a psych or social sociology so i applied for those two and i got psych so yeah. it wasn't uh i i didn't you're saying like it wasn't <laughs> oh no it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't um yeah i had these dreams of being a, a professional footballer yeah. and then when that didn't happen um I went to university with my results and I was like, so what can I study? The psychology. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, you can do psych. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm doing psych. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was I don't think experience. it's bad. I don't think it's bad. Uh, a, a terrible thing to study, but um, for job prospects, you can be in Canada, a cop, uh, elementary school teacher, or uh-huh. you can come to Korea. Okay. So that's yeah. your, those are your uh, How about career, you? career goals. What did you study? Uh... I was going into kinesiology, and then once I realized how hard it was, <laughs> okay. I, I deferred down to uh, phys ed, yeah. and then I was in education. The plan was to go to 
teacher's college. So I majored in phys ed and geography. Um, and then I just finished my master's two years ago now here. So, no, I've always loved kids. I always wanted to be a teacher. And, yeah. and that's what I went into. And I just, I was, I had some really, really amazing teachers growing up. And uh, my high school phys ed teachers were, were incredible. And that's, that's what I wanted to be like. Unfortunately, you can't teach how they used to teach anymore. Yeah. It's just the, the environment has changed and um, most or a lot of the stuff probably that, that they did, especially coaching, not just the teaching part, but coaching the teams was if you were the phys ed teacher, you coached a lot of teams. Um, lots of that stuff would probably be considered not appropriate anymore, which is, which is a shame because I think that's part of the, the, the way that a lot of guys my age at that time were formed by, mm-hmm. by these influential guys and you know, demanding dedication and hard work and, and this, this kind of stuff in our sports teams. But it's you just can't do that these days. It's not the same. Getting soft, this new generation. I was gonna add. Oh, yeah, you mentioned the soccer career there. What? When did that come to a to an end? Uh, that, how how far did you get? Or uh, not not very far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a, a combination of injuries and I think generally not being good enough. Right? Yeah, um, yeah not not very far, man. <laughs> not everyone. Not everyone can do it. Man. So you finished uni, and then how did you decide to come back to here? You just reflected on that two weeks with your uncle and thought this was the place, or? Oh, well, so after uni, I had obviously the student debt, um, and then I did a bit of research on ways to make money quickly, and Korea seemed like the best option, man. <laughs> Sell <laughs> drugs, go to Korea. Sell drugs, go to Korea. What is it like in, in South Africa for university debt? How, how much, what's tuition like? Are most kids in debt? Do you take student loans? How does it work? Uh, yeah, so it's not as bad as in the states, right? Forty um, k a year. That's crazy, man. <laughs> why would you? Why would you go to school? Yeah. <laughs> you could just get a part-time job and just cruise, or you know, yeah, yeah. It is. So I did a bit of research into into ways to to make money in South Africa. The prospects aren't good, man. Like you can have a university degree, and you can easily earn five, six hundred dollars a month with the university degree. That's what Kenneth said, it was kind of useless. Yeah. It didn't, didn't mean anything. But how much does university cost in the first place? And how much are people trying to pay? Like you say, in the States, you got to work years and years and years to pay it's off. It's like a house. It's like buying a sure. house. Yeah. In South Africa, it's a bit, it's a bit cheaper. Um, so you're looking at about $4,000, $5,000 a year. Oh, that's year. what I paid. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. what I paid. But making $500 a month with a degree is not, yeah. not a lot. So, so once you decided that Korea was the place for the for the big money when were you when did you end up coming back here so that was 2011 2011 yeah uh, initially I wanted to get a job in Seoul I think that's everyone's first yeah. choice uh, and they placed no, me no, as, no, no, no. oh really I, I hate the big city well, I'm, okay. I'm not a fan of Toronto Vancouver New York and just a couple of days in check yeah. it out and get out it makes it's an assault on the senses man it makes, <laughs> it makes me crazy I feel like you know seizures or something in those places like you said they're 24 hours of just Jared, go, Jared. go, 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 go. I mean, Tokyo and, and Seoul and all of these places. Oh, my God. That's going to have an effect on you after. Sure. If you don't grow up, you grew up in the pretty, <laughs> pretty rural. The sticks, man. Yeah. <laughs> so Ulsan is, a, Ulsan is like New York to me. I mean, I grew up in a tiny little wow. place in the middle of nowhere. So Ulsan is like my New York. I can't have those big places. A few days in, check out, do everything you're supposed to do, and then get out. So the recruiter was like, uh, well, I don't have any any jobs available in Seoul, but we do have this amazing seaside <laughs> village. Um, it's called Yangnam. And I was like, uh, 
okay, cool, can you tell me more about it? And he's mm. like, yeah, occasionally you can see dolphins uh, swimming by. I was like, okay, cool, maybe I can do a bit of surfing yeah. over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> man, I come back and it's in the middle of nowhere, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. It's literally between Ulsan and Gyeongju, right? Yeah, Yangsan? Uh, Yangnam. 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 Oh, Yangsan's between yeah, here Yangnam's. and Busan. Okay. Yeah. So I think I landed at like 8 p.m. and we eventually get out, get out that way around midnight. And I'm like, yeah, but where are the lights? Yeah. And he's like, don't worry, tomorrow it will be fine. <laughs> yeah, but when the sun comes up. <laughs> yeah, but where are the LED lights? I didn't see this when, yeah. I, came, when I came over in 2015, right? Um, and the next day, man, it was a shithole. <laughs> yeah, right? tractors and... Man, um, <laughs> and I ended up being the only foreigner in, in that village, oh, right? Gee. Which was, yeah, it was so different to what I had imagined um, <clears throat> and to my first experience in Korea. And that... Man, that ended up being such a blessing, such a good thing. But I mean, in the moment, it was really strange. Like, I'll share one experience. Um, the very first time I had my hair cut, so I'm sitting in the chair and they're busy cutting my hair. And this grandmother comes in uh, and yeah, she has no filter. She walks right up to me and she starts touching my skin. <laughs> and she was like, that time she was like, Obama. <laughs> Obama. And she literally picks up my hair that had fallen down, like my shaven hair. And she's like, Obama. <laughs> she puts it back down and she takes a seat. And I was like, oh my goodness, where, where am I? <laughs> but, but there's also something cool about that, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I remember walking, I remember walking through the streets yeah, yeah. In, in my village in Ghana where I was living. And they're yelling, white man, how are you? So much passion. All the kids, every morning on the street, they'd be out cheering for me. And I was like, it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool. And same thing, coming to Korea, like they rub your arm hair and your beard, like the kids, because they just, they haven't seen it lots. So when I came, it was the same. They rub my beard and all the kids would see you have some some arm hair and they start rubbing your arm. You guys obviously don't have it, but. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's cool. And, like, and like, when, when the Steelers won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. must have been around 2007 10. or 8 or something, maybe. 2008 was when they brought in all the Epic teachers, the first group. And there was like 250 teachers. And that was the first time that there were any significant amount of black-skinned people in Ulsan. Before that, there was one engineer called Edmund, and he worked with uh, Total. And that was it. There, there, there. I you I don't think I'd ever seen in the five six years prior to that a black person in Ulsan. Ah, there's a couple. And they <laughs> and they in that intake there was probably thirty or forty African Americans, African Canadians. Yeah. And that just changed everything. Boom. Now it was totally cool. <laughs> everything was fine. Yeah. But all my buddies who were African American or Canadian, they were Heinz Ward because Heinz Ward is half Korean and he won the MVP, so he became really famous here, and. And Michael Jordan and all oh, the kids would go around call them. Nobody would call them Jordan, Jordan, Heinzawada, Heinzawada. <laughs> all all those guys all had names of famous black actors, athletes, whatever. So it was, yeah. you know, I don't know if they ever felt like that at home, where you know everyone's coming. We had kids asking for autographs. We would introduce them as Heinz Ward, and they would ask for autographs oh, wow, and okay. pictures, and yeah. because. <laughs> They just could never get away from it. So we just said, okay, we'll embrace it. And we'll just point people out and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his, this is his brother. This is his cousin. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, to, to me, there's three common ones. Obviously, Barack Obama, mm. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods yeah. and then Henry. Whenever I play soccer, like Henry, 
Oh, Andre. Andre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, it's better, better than mine. Yeah. I get uh, Yule Brenner. Do you know who that is? No. Oh no, my God, no. dude, he's an actor from like the the fifties or sixties, maybe. Just he's bald. He's he's oh, shaven. Okay. He's shaven bald, and that's the. Uh, but it's a Korean thing, right? <laughs> to, I guess to, so, yeah. to to call you. Oh, you look like nobody mm. at home ever tells people. I I don't hear people say that at mm. home, but here everybody says, "Oh, hey, this is my buddy Brian." Oh, you look like. Oh, this is my buddy Lyle. Oh, you look. Everybody says you're. I do. Fine. I do get George Clooney sometimes. They, but. they try to connect. Oh, oh, oh you do? No. Yeah. <laughs> that was before. That was, be, that was before. That was before Thai boxing. Now I just get mad, David. <laughs> so how did you? How did you get out of the sleepy seaside village? So soccer brought me to Ulsan, right? Because ah. I heard there was a soccer team out this way, so right. I ended up traveling almost every weekend, uh, coming out this way. Um, and then when I decided to move, like Ulsan seemed like the best option. Yeah, um, it is a it is the hidden gem. It <laughs> is definitely. Yeah. So I traveled to Seoul a few times, and yeah, visiting there and living there is two different things. Yes, right? it is. Um, visiting is awesome. I love visiting there. Yeah, we just yeah. came back from U two on the weekend. We had a great time. Oh, yeah. I, I love going there to, to hang out, party, do stuff. But uh-huh. living there would be totally different, and I wouldn't have a cent in the bank. So Ulsan seemed like good balance right so you still have a bit of the city life um, but also it's a quiet it's, i mean it's got nature uh, quite quite close by um, so yeah the beach busan i mean you can get your big city life if you want just half an hour to busan or 40 mm-hmm. minutes it's busan. 40 minutes from from here to, to busan you jump on that highway but not even that we were talking in seoul uh-huh. man busan grand park and the tewa national garden mm-hmm. those are Probably two of the nicest parks in all of Asia. I mean, they're fabulous and they're they're huge. We have we have, we're so lucky to have the green space here. You mentioned that maybe it was a blessing being in the in the sleepy village at first. Mm. Is that because when you go to Seoul and you live in Seoul, you're probably not going out. Most people in Seoul do not make it down this way, but everybody out here makes it to Seoul a couple times. And if you didn't have that experience first, uh, maybe you wouldn't have experienced as much. Korea as you, as you had the opportunity to? No, I think it's being positive, just having a positive mind going in there. No? If you're if you're a negative, if you're a negative Nancy and go in like, oh, I'm in a sleepy village, this sucks, oh, I hate this. You know, I think you took you took the what you could from there, right? I think it gave me the authentic Korean experience. Right. Like yeah. I really got to understand and appreciate the cultural side of things, right? No, that's what I mean. Yeah. We were in yeah. Sam Ryan's in Seoul and saying... Guys, if we, because Robbie had lived here, Jejudo, and in Samchok. Yeah. So he was in the same situation way up in Gangwondo in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Then he moved to here, then he moved to Jejudo, now he's in Seoul. And he said, I'm glad I've done all of them because I have a real understanding or appreciation of Korea. Yeah. Where the guys he meets in Seoul and they hang out at these, these very mixed uh, pubs in all in Itaewon where it's you know half Korean and half everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. Those people don't have nearly the the understanding he does of living in a sleepy oceanside town and then to a metropolis like here and then Jejudo on the island it's all very very different but yeah i think if i didn't come if i didn't if i wasn't here and i was only in busan i mean even the busan people they don't they don't tend to get out as much as say people from here do yeah uh, and then also in terms of the work experience um, so me being the only foreigner over there sure one mom asked me about class for her son 
and then other moms heard yeah. about it and so he being the only option i got oh, to wow, pick up my kid yeah. <laughs> 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 i pick up loads of classes out that way um, yeah so i think in terms of that it's it's been a real a real blessing and i mean i still travel out that way three four times a week um, for classes yeah so that was been it's been a good experience no doubt, yeah. I I I dream sometimes about uh, about moving out to the going out to the country or just you know having that slower that slower life. Not like we're at any pace of soul, but I uh, I, I do romanticize about that sometimes. So now now looking back, would is there a, a vision to get back to South Africa or now you're you're married here and, and a little bit rooted maybe? Is the plan to stay here and, and hustle or? Uh, well. Suyan has veto um, veto power over that, uh, so <laughs> the choice is it's it's very interesting. Like um, I remember when Suyan first went to South Africa, right? Um, so we had been dating for a few months, and you brought her home after a few months. Yeah, I wanted her to to experience what South Africa was like, you know, because that's a hard sell for for a young Korean lass. Yeah, <laughs> jeez, Louis, that's awesome. Um, so we went over, and she didn't tell me, but she was doing research about South Africa like quietly um, and the, the number one thing was soil samples or did she what is she <laughs> you mean before going she was researching what it was going to be like or you mean yeah, she was yeah, doing she was university blogs and stuff okay. um, oh i bet she was going there secretly uh, scooping up dirt <laughs> and like, <laughs> no 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 and her number one concern was pickpocketers because she read on some blog that you have to keep your belongings like close, close yeah, yeah. That's, that's not necessarily the reality i mean it happens in in certain areas mm. but not not everywhere right um so she was i was really excited for her to go and she was really scared about going to south africa and we land in cape town and i'm looking for my family i'm on the phone walking mm. a few steps ahead of her my someone, uncle who's a pastor who's <laughs> a pastor sees us so he'd been at the mm. airport to yeah to, to come and meet us but i didn't see him right mm. um so he comes up next to her and he greets her and Wants to take her bag, wants to help her with the bag. She's like, no. <laughs> and she gives him this look. And then I turn around, I realize it's it's him. And Uncle maybe, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And and eventually, um, long story short, he ends up marrying us a few years later. Oh, nice. The, the pastor who marries us. And she was like, just after that experience, man, um, <laughs> researching South Africa and being so fearful of the place. We were there for, we were literally there for four days. When it was time to leave, I'm always late. Yeah, so we're late for our flight and I'm rushing and I'm wondering where Suyan is and I turn around and she's crying and she's like, I don't think I'm ready to go back to Korea. <laughs> um, yeah, and since then she's been she's been back home six times, back to South Africa. Wow. No times. way. Yeah. Great. She loves South Africa, man. Like she if it was up to her, we'd move there tomorrow. Really? No way. So she's really um keen. Yeah, very, very keen to to move over, always looking at property and so forth. Uh, whereas I'm not so keen. Like I think I'm, I've settled in <laughs> Korea, um, and yeah, after after visiting New Zealand a few weeks ago, um, I think I'm more keen to visit to to move over to New Zealand. Um, it seems like the, the the better option. Yeah. Should we leave Korea? Yeah. Wasn't it? I think uh, wasn't it just a volcano that exploded oh, in yeah, New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, that right. <laughs> funny enough. The guy the other day uh, came up. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I heard about the volcano that exploded in Canada." I went, "There's no volcanoes. In, there's no active volcanoes." I think. And I came home and Googled it. It's like ten thousand years ago. You know, there was a volcano that exploded. But they, uh, yeah, that was a big, uh, that was a big one. Eh? I think 
eight, eight or ten dead, anyways. Anyways, okay, a good third, a good third country to to move to. Yes, sir. So Next. you're probably staying around here. She's interested in going back. Mm-hmm. This probably brings about the the camps and stuff. Keeps you connected there. Keeps you going back. Uh, well, the main reason why we started the camps was I needed a way to escape Korean winter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Isha, listen, what's the what's the temperature today? What is it? Ten. 10, 11, he showed up and goes, oh, it's freezing. <laughs> oh, it's freezing today. Go on, dude. Yeah, what's, uh, what's, what's the coldest it gets back in your, your hometown? Back home, uh, five degrees Celsius. Okay, okay. Ex- extreme weather is like zero, zero degrees Celsius. Jeez, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's, that's extreme. That much worse than here, better than yeah. here. Yeah. It doesn't get that cold. To escape the winters, you have the, your, uh, you have your, your homestay. Your homestay uh, genius with genius English camp camps, yeah. Google, um, Google that. Please don't don't be mistaken. Uh, that does not mean I am a genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not by any stretch. Um, I think my high school scores would prove contrary. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reason why we chose the name Genius English Camp, um, Thomas Edison once said that genius is one percent inspiration and ninety nine percent perspiration. Right, so it's all about. The hustle, all about the grind. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the main reason why we came up with the name Genius English Camp. Nice. Um, we initially started the camps to showcase South Africa. Um, I had learned about people who run camps in other countries, and I was like, yeah, we could do it better. South Africa has a lot to offer. You know, with all of its problems, um, it's still, I'm a bit biased over here, but it's still the most beautiful country mm. anywhere. Until you go to Canada. Until you go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> on a on a side note, there, I don't know if you if you shared it. South Africa has won the sevens. Like, what did they win in two thousand? They won every Ooh. every important. Did you share? Did I see you share that one? No, 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 I didn't. It was like get but you like need to, you need to government me correctly, right? <laughs> government government get your stuff in order. This year, the boys took this home. They took that home. Well, there was like eight significant wins in. Uh, yeah, we just. A few weeks back, we won the the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. So that was huge. Um, last week, it was Miss Universe. Oh, that's what it was. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah. South Africa, yeah. man. Um, wow. Miss South Africa. It's it's we're now winning season, man. Mm. Um, and they're doing they're doing amazing amazing stuff back home. Yeah. Just the government needs to sort things out. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Need to get, Is, the, get things in order. I, I was. I mean, we talked the first time or second time we met there. Mm-hmm. That it, it might, or how hard of a sell it is, is it for Korean parents? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure the majority of people's first impressions are, ooh, scary, dangerous. One, yeah. is it, is it dangerous and scary? I mean, obviously, I, I understand in some areas, yes, no, but overall, in general, um, or maybe compared to Korea, I think Korea is a heck of a lot safer than Canada. Um, so maybe in that one, and then convincing the parents or or, or selling this experience mm-hmm. what is it like it's it's hard right um, especially selling it to koreans because in korea you live in a bubble mm. right you can lose your wallet and then you'll <laughs> have it delivered to your door with all of your your cards and your notes yeah. in there an extra five bucks for the taxi <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> in south africa i always tell parents um, south africa is like any other country um, in new york for example there are certain places that are okay. There are other uh, neighborhoods that you stay away from. Mm. Uh, in South Africa, it's, it's the exact same. Um, and usually, uh, not the reality is not necessarily what you what you hear, right? So that's not the the experience of, of locals. 
And I always use the analogy, um, I always tell parents, it's the reverse in South Africa. So in Korea, all you hear is the bad things that are happening in South Africa. In South Africa, all they hear is North, North Korea, Korea yeah. nuclear missiles. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's not the reality of, of life back back here. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are definitely a few areas that are dangerous that you should avoid at all costs. Um, but remember, Cape Town is the number one tourist destination in the world. No way. When uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're selling the camp to, to parents, initially you said it was, it was difficult to, to, to get them. Now you've expanded the camps. New York and, and New Zealand. How did you come about picking those, uh, picking those destinations? It's all about the value of the experience. Mm. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So we spoke about, about this earlier mm. um, when we spoke about English teachers and having the actual experience with, with a teacher. Mm. Um, learning about certain places and actually being there are two different things, right? Uh, mm. New York is one of my favorite cities. Mm. Uh, just because when you're in New York, you, it, it really ex- inspires you, man. Like you literally feel like you can do anything or you can be yeah. anything, right? Um, so the attraction of, of New York was the main reason why we decided to do, to do the camps over there. And then New Zealand came about by accident, actually. Um, I was having a chat with the same uncle who was an English teacher yeah. in, Korea, in Korea before. Um, he is now a pastor in, in New Zealand. Um, Not the guy that married you. The same guy that married us. Oh, Jesus. Sounds like you're going to be yeah. a pastor in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick side note. All my students uh-huh. from Ghana whose parents used to be dentists, doctors, lawyers, whatever. Now they're all pastors. <laughs> and I joke with all of them. <laughs> Just go home and be a pastor. Chemical engineering, blah, blah. Go home and be a pastor. He goes, that's where the money is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no, no. I don't think that's, that's in my future, man. Uh, yeah. Um, but I had a chat with him uh, and he told me about this amazing campsite that they, they had visited. And I did a bit of research into it um, and it turned out to be amazing facilities. So Tui Ridge Park uh, out in, in Rotorua, just I think it's three hours outside of Auckland. Mm. Um, yeah, and we did research into it and decided to go over and check it out. Um, and then interestingly enough, I... I have this tendency to send emails to hundreds of companies just to introduce our program. Uh, one of the companies that responded was Air New Zealand. Mm. And they were like, they like what we're trying to do because um, they think New Zealand has a lot to offer the world yeah. and they want to help us showcase New Zealand. So they've, uh, we've been negotiating with them and they'll be offering students a discount to so all students who join our camps. Mm. Uh, if they book their flights via Air New Zealand, they get a 30% discount on their, on their tickets. Oh, no way. Um, yeah, and then sent an email to the mayor's office, um, yeah, Phil Goff mm. in, in Auckland. And the day we left New Zealand, we came back to Korea, um, his assistant actually responded and she was like, oh, they'd like to set up a meeting. And I was like, oh, we've literally just left. Uh, and she's like, okay, they want more information about the program. Um, we sent them the link to the website, which is in Korean. And like, oh, actually, they've got a, a Korean New Zealander um, who works in the mayor's office and he can definitely translate the website for them. Um, so they checked it out and then they contacted us again and they're like, there's this program called Study Auckland. And they think that they can offer our students like the authentic um, New Zealand experience. Yeah. So to immerse the students in the Maori, the Tongan and the, um, sorry, the Maori and Tongan cultures um, out, out that way. So... Yeah, they were like, you can, if you're coming for a month, study for three weeks, and then the fourth week, um, 
bring them to Auckland. Yeah. And we'll teach them to play rugby. Um, we'll get one of the former All Blacks um, players to, to do a motivational talk with the students. Um, nice. That will give them the, the authentic New Zealand experience. I bet even the, the kids might not even understand or appreciate what what they're getting until a few years later when they look back and like, oh my god, I I got a, a talk from this guy, I got to do this or that. That's the that's awesome, dude. It must be nice when people are receptive to ideas. Um, we've been doing a little hustling in Korea for a while, but there's a lot of it's tough when there's a lot of shutdowns and throw throw a lot be, of stuff. It must be nice when you know, and you're just you're just randomly throwing out mass amounts of emails and you get you get feedback. It must be great, especially from people like that. Yeah, man. Initially, like, I, w- I was very <clears throat> offended. Like, I would literally, I'd walk around to different academies. Um, a lot of them were very welcoming, but you get to odd academies. So, where's your camp in South Africa? And like, Sorry, no, we don't want to send our kids to South Africa. And after a while, I mean, you, you stop taking it personally. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the same <laughs> one. Where... We go cold yeah. calling for <laughs> for donations and stuff. And... Yeah, yeah. It's not sometimes he phones me, he's like, Oh man, <laughs> and I said, Just relax, just go to the next oh, one, the guy will say yes, and then you're happy yeah. again. But some of them, some finding, of them really one yes is worth it, man. Oh, Absolutely, it's, it's everything worth and it. it's not worth <laughs> getting upset about or, or your shorts in a knot because yeah. <laughs> if uh, that was the case, I would have quit a long time ago. Some of them, some of them really hurt the pride, though. It's man. tough to oh, hear no so many is, times, man. Yeah. yeah, but then again, I have the benefit of being able to speak Afrikaans, mm. right. So I'm able to curse them in, in Africa. <laughs> <and> smiling. <laughs> it, well, and what was that? It was, it was just a blessing, my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I like that. So that sounds like you're pretty set up then if you got uh, if you made those connections there. Yeah, it's it's grown a lot faster than what we anticipated. Um, and again we've been blessed to to meet people who buy into our into our idea. Um, so definitely for the New Zealand camp, um, yeah, having having the the mayoral office on board with our program, uh, it gives it a lot more weight yeah. to selling the program. And when are you, if anyone's listening, when are you going to those places? Those World next summer? Uh, well, we do the New York camp. The New York is a five week camp. Uh, that's next summer, and that's five weeks. We'll be staying in Brooklyn. Two days will be spent at Harvard University. And again, that came about by just sending an email. Uh, they responded. They were like. Well, they don't partner with any organizations, but they can offer us this program, nice. a, a two-day program. You get like a, a lecture from a from a Harvard professor, don't you? Yeah, well, or one an, of the facilitators, uh, yeah, yeah. One of the facilitators from Harvard University would yeah then give a talk to our students yeah. and, and a private tour. We'll get to go into the libraries. We'll have one uh, session, one study session, mm. in one of the libraries, uh, and then the students get to sleep in the accommodation, uh, the Harvard accommodation for one night, which is That's awesome. pretty cool. I think just yeah. giving giving kids that feeling like it's it's real. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of pictures or maybe in, in movies or, or yeah. You dream about it, but yeah, it's it's inspiring to to bring them there, and it might just make someone say, "Hey, I, I I'm coming here, no matter what. I'm coming mm-hmm. here." And who knows? I mean, like your like your one week trip to or two week trip to Korea that might set the that might set a kid's life in in a different path. You know, you believe you believe what's possible by based on what you are exposed to, hmm. right? So, example, psychology one hundred and one, absolutely I mean, <laughs> dropping some hard knowledge. I missed that yeah. class, but yeah, 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 yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. But that's back to what I said about the the learning by yourself, self learning, and online yeah. learning. And but once you go and do it, it's it's different. You can't. You can only listen to so much K-pop and eat so much kimchi, but until you come here and mm. see what it's like, you just can't imagine it. 
Mm-hmm. So. I always use the analogy of a football game. Uh, like you can watch a football game. Oh, sorry, you're from soccer. soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> football game, right? Yeah. Um, you can watch one match on TV. It has a certain effect on you. Uh, you go watch the same match in the stadium. It has a totally different yeah. impact on you. Uh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. so the New York camps, um, that's a five-week summer camp. And then the, the Auckland and Cape Town camps are both winter camps, uh, both four weeks. Yeah, the Cape Town camp, we actually leave next Thursday. We, we head out um, to Cape Town for a few weeks. Uh, and yeah, we'll be escaping winter. How do you manage, or, or like you're not doing this full-time, right? Taking that much time off? Because we've always thrown these ideas around about taking kids home and stuff. But yeah, if you don't have a university job where you have eight or ten weeks off at, at a time... It's hard to to quit private classes and company gigs and stuff for two, three, four weeks at a time, and then come back and expect them to be there. How do you balance or manage that? You know the the work and you know entrepreneuring on the side. I think I've also been been lucky in my experiences. Um, so at the moment, I only teach part time, right? At the kindergarten, that's only two days a week. My director is really cool, man. Like she's, I don't know if she's cool because she, she's cool or she's cool because she doesn't understand she likes, English. She likes the former. <laughs> she she, she like, just likes hanging with the former president of the United States of America. You know. That's right? all. Oh, I thought you were leaving for one day. You left for one month. She oh, wants off, she wants off her golf game. Only, like I've been working there for almost four years. Uh, there's only three words I've heard her speak. It's just, hello. And then no problem. Whenever I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need to take a month off for the camp, and she's, oh, no problem. That's a good policy. Really? Oh, yeah, I need to. I need Jeez. to take a trip to the states. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I'm not coming in next week. No problem. That's yeah. awesome. Oh my good. god. Well, that, that helps to have understanding people, you know. That... Mm. Yeah, but I was actually I was speaking to Suyan um, the other day, and I was saying, you know, one person in Korea can either make or break your experience. Absolutely. In, in Korea, because. You get a bad director, you're done. You know, um, so I think I've been really lucky that she's been so understanding. Uh, I don't know where her limits are or how long I'll be able to continue mm. continue doing this. Uh, but for the time, she seems to be really cool with it. I'm leaving for a month and taking your car. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And I assume Suya's going with you on these trips or no? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially this year because the youngest kid that's on the trip, so usually we... we target group is elementary middle and high school students mm. uh, we also have a parents package so parents who want to join the, the camp but our youngest student this year is seven years old mm. um, and he's going western age seven western age seven. okay uh, so he's going without his mom without a brother or sister mm. um, so i think having suyan over his there his family uh, hates him or what? <laughs> <laughs> i think oh the mom just God. needs a break right seven-year-old seven-year-old yeah that's i Oh, I, I think, dude, I think about just sending my kid to the park that's 200 meters this way and I can see it out the window. Yeah. Sending the grandmas for a sleepover is, is Oh, <laughs> God. When I told Always you that he was joining the camp, she was like, why do parents trust you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... They don't, they trust you. <laughs> they trust you. That's exactly to say, we had, we had a great... Yeah. The youngest one we brought to, to Canada that one year was grade three. And even he, I felt like, whoa, this kid's way. I can't believe his parents trusted us to. Yeah, there, there's Koreans with us and whatnot. My wife Mom's was there. Mom's setting the bar high. Seven years old, going to South Africa. Jeez. Yeah. Hey, hey, we're going, gonna be we're going to. <laughs> we're going to Seoul next next year for vacation. That's bullshit, Mom. I wanna, <laughs> hey, it's Italia or bust. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
Uh, yeah, but no, he seems super stoked about about going to South Africa. So I'm like, Gee, are you excited about South Africa? Like, wow, yeah. so what like, a what are you excited about? It's like barbecue. Yeah. Like, no, bry. Like, yeah. Barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so That's we'll, funny. we'll get him his barbecue once we're local. And think uh, think too. I mean, it, your first experience. You were 15 when you when you went overseas. My first experience overseas is coming here, man, at 22, which was was my first airplane flight. Or I went to Vancouver and then stayed a couple of weeks and and then I bounced over here. But and that was like you said, like life life changing, man. You go, you 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 arrive and you're like, it's like a whole new level of learning and like just taking yeah. taking stuff in a whole new perspective in life um having that at seven just just knowing that that's it'll make him or break him right he'll be terrified and have a terrible time and never want to leave his mom again or chased by a rhino and he's gonna be asking to go to all the wildest places of the world after that yeah no but um i think all students have the same experience on our camps so initially there's that that fear of the unknown mm. right um, but once they get to south africa most of the students don't want to come back to Korea. Yeah. And a lot of the students end up going back a second time. Mm. Right? Um, so, yeah. That's no, good. We, 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 usually, one of the things that I ask students towards the end of the camp, I'll ask them, so, if you could describe South Africa just in one word, what, what word would that be? Um, Is pickpocket hyphenated? The best, by far the best answer was from this kid. Her name was Lucy. Um, that year, she was the youngest kid on our camp. She was third grade elementary mm. school. And she was the only girl on the camp. Um, so I asked her, like, if you could describe South Africa in one word, what would it be? And she, she paused for a moment and she's like, teacher, magical. Put, on, put her on the brochure. <laughs> yeah. Put her on the brochure. That's awesome. So That's is it. your, I know your wife's a big part of this. Is she also fortunate enough to be flexible in the work that she can also take that much time off? Oh, yeah. So she works full time on the camps. Um, yeah, she does all the design work. She does the meetings with the parents. Um, yeah, she's full-time. Cool. Full-time invested in the camp. Awesome. Nice. So you guys are going to be going full steam ahead for the next year and beyond? Yes, sir. Um, hopefully, we'll, the camps will continue to grow. Um, there's a lot of things that we've, we've got in the pipeline, um, a lot of plans we've got in the pipeline. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, the camps will continue to grow and we'll get to the point where we don't have to be working this hard to recruit to recruit students. Yeah. Well, so once, once they come back and the word of mouth spreads, yeah, that's that's all you need, right? And especially if you start doing New Zealand and New York, and they go to one of those and go, "Oh, you guys going to South Africa? That'll be cool too. That'll that'll really help too." So can I can I just say how easy it is um, selling New Zealand compared <laughs> sure. to South Africa? Sure, yeah. absolutely. I did a presentation at, at an academy, right, <laughs> um, for the Cape Town camps, and one of the moms raised her hand and she's like, "Do you have any other locations?" And this is like way back in February, mm. right? And I was like, well, at the moment, we don't have any locations, but we're thinking of expanding into New York and New Zealand, Auckland. And then I yeah, continued with the presentation. And as I left, I was literally driving home. The academy owner called me and she's like, uh, yeah, there's three moms that want to sign up for the New Zealand camp. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, maybe we can set up a meeting once we've got once we've got content, once we've got material. Because I have like, nothing right now. <laughs> like, no, they want to know when they when they need to pay. <laughs> they yeah. they want to join the New Zealand camp, and I mean compared to how we have to sell South Africa to parents, like New Zealand seems a much easier sell. Sure, naturally. Right. But the, another thing that that is working in your favor is before it used to be. Sambaxaya, whatever, you know, four days, three days, the weekend to Cambodia and Angkor Wat, the weekend to Pattaya. 
Um, that used to be standard for, for the longest time. That was a typical Korean trip. But now you're seeing these kids, not only like this, but also with their moms, a month in Guam, a month in Saipan, a month in Malaysia. Handar Sagi. And this is becoming, Sagi. This is becoming very normal now. And before it might have been a week camp or, or maybe two weeks at the max, but now a month is becoming pretty normalized here where these guys living, leaving with their mom or without yeah. is becoming the new norm. And I think that's a big thing working in your favor because doing this five years ago probably wouldn't have flown very well. They go, wow, we just want to go for a week. Is that possible? That's a long way to go for just a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to really work in, in your favor. And uh, the tide seems to be changing now towards more freestyle. I know lots of moms going to Malaysia now. And I guess they're tired of Cebu in the Philippines. And Malaysia is the new place. It's still relatively cheap. The English is good. Yeah. And they go on to tell you the, the freestyle. Okay, book your camp. But mom says, okay, Friday after school, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to Singapore. Then we're going to go up to here. Then we're going there. And there's a lot of things to do in the area. And the moms take yeah. control of the, the weekends and that free time. And yeah, it's a, it's a whole different environment now. I think a residual benefit too about about going going abroad. <clears throat> we know a problem here is suicide. Lots of stress for the kids and yeah. bullying and whatnot. If you have a, a perspective outside of your your community, you know, a lot of kids' lives are, you know, they leave their house. They walk to school, which is... 500 meters yeah. from here yeah. and then they go to the Hogwarts and then they go to their academy and it, it their whole life is within two three kilometers mm. when that's when that's as far as you're traveling man that's kind of where your brain where your brain is at that's yeah. where your, your limits are and if you're seeing the same people every day in that same routine going abroad I, I think even for our kids who will probably have a rough time at some point yeah. uh being being half kids you know bringing them to Canada bringing them to Nate's going to Boracay there bringing the that shows them man there's there's life outside of these outside of school if someone calls you oh you're a half you're a half blood you got this problem your dad's you know your dad's not korean you're not full korean but like yeah whatever you know there's i can just go live in another country where a lot of kids i think feel really stuck in in uh in this small you know in that small little bubble that you that you live in never mind the bubble that's korea man but i I believe that bubble is disappearing with these younger generations that aren't so focused on education mm-hmm. and marriage and yeah. careers and the big companies and and they are traveling a lot and they are exposed to a lot more global culture um, through the internet so I think you can notice a huge difference in the the new generation the, the generation coming up now mm-hmm. that they're much much more uh, open to other experiences mm-hmm. and not so much the Korea 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 and I mean you see it in the kids Tons of the kids don't even like kimchi anymore. <laughs> and back to your fermented cabbage, I'm trying to get my kids hooked on it because they're Korean, but man, it's not easy. So yeah, I think all of that stuff and, and Korea, you know, is an ever-changing place and it changes as fast as, as anywhere, but it's definitely becoming much more open and much more accepting and, and global, which is nice to see because when we came, it was very, very conservative. So well, he was here before us. When did you all come over initially? 2004. 2004. You guys didn't cross paths? I think that's what you said. It might have been you. I was here in 2007. Anyways, I, when we met, uh, when last time we met, you uh, you were telling me, and, and I've seen his his celebrity grow online in the in the, in the last two or three years, Trevor Noah. What's the view as a South African guy? Is that someone that you look up to? Is that an inspiration? Or is he just like, nah, he's just another celebrity? Nah, I 
absolutely, man. Like Trevor Noah, I think he's the new Nelson Mandela. Oh yeah, back home, man. Like he's yeah, he's a phenomenal back home. Yeah. No Della. Do you watch yeah. his stuff regularly? Uh, yeah, when I have time. Yeah. yeah. Like Definitely. my wife is on the highlight reel or whatever for him, and and she, mm-hmm. at night she always, because I she said what can I use to learn English or more slang, more just real stuff, and I said get some of the late night guys, man. They're hilarious. Mm-hmm. If you watch it. If you watch it and don't just listen to it, you, you'll have the context to understand easier. Yeah. And she listens to them all the time. And sometimes I'm in the kitchen and I hear her listening. And I just start laughing and laughing. But it's also gotten me interested in him because he shows a lot of stuff about his mom and South Africa and where he grew up in the villages. And he brings the crew there. Yeah. And so when you mention growing up poor, he he has a lot of references in his, in his material <laughs> that references poor South Africa childhood. Yeah. And it's really funny. I mean, I saw lots of that stuff in Ghana when I was there. And to he's bringing that to mainstream television in America. And I think it's a really good thing. Hmm. I must say that the cool thing about him is he hasn't changed once he, made, once he moved over to the States. Like his comedy, his style has remained consistent. Hmm. Right? Um, so a lot of times when comedians go over to the States they would adjust their comedy style to fit, to fit the audience. Yeah. Um, he's very, very com- confident in his style. And yeah, so he, he's kept his style and he knows how funny he is. And he's just blown up in the States, man. Yeah. Put South Africa on the map. Yeah, yeah. he's, uh, he's quite, I saw his bit about the, uh, the guy who does the sign language at Mandela's, uh, Mandela's funeral. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> Okay, so that's classic. Oh, he's hilarious, man. Yeah, he's got some good. Bryce said you had an opportunity to meet him yeah. in New York. Yeah, so we landed at JFK at like in the middle of the night. Um, he was there to pick you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he carried our bags for us. <laughs> Eventually, in the morning, we took the subway um, to Grand Central and checked the map. And smack bang in the middle of of our route was the Daily Show studios. And I looked at Sue and I was like, "We've got to go around here, like even if it's just." to see the building the outside of the building yeah usually she doesn't um, she doesn't say yes to my suggestions but on this occasion she was like yeah it's driven though so okay yeah. <laughs> let's do it um we went there and that was on a friday and so we're lugging our bags and we're outside the daily show studio and man my my face was beaming right mm. and i was like telling so yeah, check the posters of him and look at yeah. the cabs driving past with his face on it uh, and the security guy comes up to us and is like are you guys here for the show? And we're like, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not here for the show. He's like, okay, cool, because there's no show on a Friday. So like, <laughs> so like, oh, no, I'm just, a, I'm from South Africa and I'm like a huge Trevor Noah fan. Yeah. And he was like, well, he usually comes in on this time on a Monday. Um, maybe if you come back on, at this time, he... Like I just lost his job. <laughs> he, he might um, chat to you. So it's like, okay, cool. We ended up going, or at least I ended up going the Wednesday. Uh, Suyan stayed back back at the hotel um, and I remember I was on my phone walking on my way to the studio walking there and there's this guy walking in front of me and I'm like that guy looks like Trevor Noah from yeah. behind and I'm like how about it's not him he wouldn't be walking in the streets right uh, and the closer I got to him I realized it smells like Trevor Noah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's it that's Africa right um, is that Bray Bray Whoa, what's it how do you say Barbecue. Bri, yeah, yeah. Bri, yeah. <laughs> I smell bright. Um, so I walked up to him and I was like, uh, Trevor, it's, it's nice to meet you, man. Um, I don't want a picture. I just want to introduce myself and yeah, just want your advice on one or two things. And he's like, uh, well, 
Okay, um, I don't, I don't have time to stop and chat because uh, I'm late, late for yeah. you know African time. <laughs> but if you walk with me, like we can chat on our way to the studio. And then as we're walking, like his phone rings and like I, I think they tell him to to come sooner. So he's like, we've got a jog now, and I was like, okay, cool. So we're jogging. <laughs> and the funny thing was, um, I had a soccer injury. I'd injured my ankle just. Mm. A few weeks before that, so yeah. I was on crutches. I was literally on crutches on my way to Incheon Airport. Yeah. When we got to the airport, I, I discarded the crutches. So I'm jogging and pain's like shooting up my leg. And I'm, but I'm happy, yeah. right? Because I'm jogging to work with Trevor Noah and <laughs> discussing the camps and what we hope to do. And yeah, he was very, very cool about it, man. Um, very, very down to earth. He ended up giving us contact details for the person that runs his foundation. And yeah, if all goes well, we'll be doing work with his foundation in the... You sound like the luckiest guy. I know you better buy some lottery tickets. (laughs) (laughs) What what is the chance that he's walking to work and that he takes time out to to talk and answer? I mean, it's awesome. I I remember when we used to chase around the hockey players for autographs and, you know, lots of them were really good guys and, you know, they'd ask you who you play for with a couple of questions whatever, but... Yeah. There's still a lot of them that, you know, just give you the... Get out of here. Get lost, hurry up, and they sign and, and they give you a swiggle or a wiggle there and done. Yeah. What's a swiggle and a wiggle? They're signatures. Like oh, okay. One line, two lines. And they, <laughs> uh, who's this? I don't know. Who's this? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome that he, that he takes time. It was really cool uh, to see that he was, like, his persona is, is the exact same uh, on and off camera. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that was that was really cool. That's awesome. Very what's the, what's the name of the sausages? That's Purvos? No, 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 no. What's. The ones they sell at the Ulsat Market. What is it? Budavos. When I... What's it? What's it? How do you say? Budavos. You're not speaking about Biltong, right? Biltong. Oh, Biltong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Jerky, yeah. Oh, the jerky. That's what I was thinking. Uh-huh. I just... When I said, how do I know it's Trevor Nolmick? You smell the barbecue. I figured uh, uh, there was like links of... Links of Biltong. Of, of Biltong just hanging out. Like, I don't know if it's him. You go... <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that's racist. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> so you got... You got uh, lots of stuff going on right now. Is that Bill talking in your any, pocket? Any plan in the future to have a family or no? Ooh, um, well, you need two things for that: uh, time and money. Well, oh, I, 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 I'm lacking. <laughs> I was going to say because it slows you down drastically. I mean, we we used to be the work sixteen hour a day guys, and then we got married and kids, and we've we've taken a step back and slowed down drastically. So I was just wondering, now you're starting all this. But you're probably also prime time for for making a family. Yeah, we've spoken about it on occasion. Um, I don't think for the next year, maybe a year or two, we, mm. we'll focus on the camps, and then after that, we'll we look to settle down. Nice. You know, um, at the moment, I like kids that I can give back to their parents. Yeah. Oh, it's you awesome. <laughs> it's a totally yeah. So, Wait till again. Don't don't rush into having having yeah. your own because I think I mean though the way we did it, it was kind of put those years of hard work in. Uh-huh. And then, oh, like, like exactly like you said, you put the put the the hard work in early, and then after you can, ah, you know, when you are relaxing a little more than usual, you don't you don't feel guilty or you know you're comfortable in your yeah. comfortable in your house, man. Still had a couple of years, couple of the early years when the yeah. kids were young, you can still work hard, but you guys sound like the aunties back home. Yeah, <laughs> whenever I visit home, it was always the question. So when are you getting married? Yeah, well, I, I, got just, married. I just need a relation to the, to the business aspirations. I know, I'm just teasing you. Because mm. uh, yeah. I, I, I used to think I was invisible and, and I could do everything and anything and still sleep two hours a day and, and, and hustle. But 
You thought you were invisible at one point. It it, it does <laughs> it does drastically slow you down. Invincible. And and not only that, but I really I really enjoy it and I really enjoy taking the step back and enjoying the kids yeah. and their family. Um, I don't know how long you can just put your head down and just smash it out for before you realize that what am I doing this for? Oh, what am I enjoying? I do. I got to get my head out of the sand and and start living my life. I got the money now and I got I haven't done anything for. You know, I, five years or something. My, I think I was nine and a half years and had a mental breakdown, man. And it just, I couldn't continue on with, uh, with, with doing that. And it was, it was yeah. like, what, what am I doing? What am I, you know? And you're, you're getting so much anxiety and worry, like, oh, should I be with my family? Should I work to it? And it, it yeah. comes to a point where, like you said, the money's not so important, and you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta change your priorities, man. But the other, the other expectation that I was wrong was that I just thought you could just make a family when you want. But it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder than you think. And sure. we were we tried for two or three years before we had our first daughter. Well, he didn't. I thought, but he didn't know the he, grab her by the ankles and did shake her upside down <laughs> trick, man. It's a good I, one. You know, get married. Okay, we want to have a kid, and it's like, okay, no problem. And but but it's not. It's oversimplified, maybe when when you just talk about it be, before you you try, and uh, yeah, that that also threw a twist into the road for us. So. But I think especially for an English teacher, man, it's it's especially hard being married being married to a Korean because there's that glass ceiling for an English teacher in terms of the salary cap, right? I mean, you can only work so many hours a day. Yeah, and if you're working you mean at a, for us or for the wives, no, for us. Mm. Um, so if you're working at a hagun or if you're working at a school, there's there's a limit as to how much your pay increases. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, so, what but even we, even in the, I mean, private would be a more lucrative. Private teaching would be more lucrative. But as you say, that's still there is still a limit to to how much you can work. Even even if you had, yeah. I mean, the the best situation ever, where you're teaching, you know, group classes, group private group classes all day long. There's still but only so many hours in a day. Having a business that can that can grow. Yeah. Or oh, I mean, just having a like his business where if you get thirty kids, that's great, but you have the potential of having two hundred and fifty kids, right? So for us, it's all about um, yeah, building the brand and then hopefully in future having that residual income. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Money is not the only thing, <laughs> right? But at the same time, um, you yeah, don't have any. You can't having money gives you options. Sure, opens doors. Right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. When you can go on vacation, where you can go to, um, mm. so yeah, especially growing growing up in South Africa, and as I told you, uh, growing up in a poor community, um, I don't want if we eventually do have kids, I don't want our kids to face the same challenges we faced as kids. Right. Um, do you think here's here's the here's, uh-huh. here's a here's a million dollar question? Do you think they'll be as inspired or as driven as you if they don't face those tough Ooh. conditions? Do you, you know how much how much of your drive that was the first question we asked you right what 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 motivates you what gives you that that drive to keep going you said you know I grew up I grew up poor if you we talked about this in the last in our last say, one too it's the current situation in Korea where yeah. the parents grew up after the war in very difficult conditions mm. and their kids now are given everything and it, it's hard to find kids that appreciate what they have and the opportunities they have and the work ethic is just not there there's no there's no Right or right or wrong answer, but just don't spoil your kids rotten. Probably oh, no, my, is the my best. kids are gonna grow up poor, man. This this is <laughs> <my> <laughs> man. roll those pants, Jimmy. <laughs> this money I'm working for is for me, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, they're gonna 
they're gonna have to either teach English or <laughs> whatever to make their own money. Um, but that, I, oh, it's, it's so it's, important. It's difficult. It's so finding a balance, you know, um, between giving your kids what you didn't have and giving them too much. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think there's any right, right answer to that. Mm. Just have to. Just don't give them anything. Can I have a new toy? No! Are <laughs> you crazy? You know, know what I had when I was younger? There, there does seem to be a trend to give them a lot more than, than what's necessary. Mm. And I think that feeds into the lack of ambition, desire, motivation to get out and, as, and do it on your own. As a dad, learning to say no is so important. I was just about to ask you, how do you guys do it? How do you, how Dude, do you teach my kids from, from the first day yeah. about, you know, when, when all the aunts and uncles give them my tip. I think I say it every podcast, but when they get their money and stuff, I tell them when we get home, I mean, if she gets lots, whatever, it just goes in the bank. But at least we take one ten break it into 10 ones and she puts eight in the bank one for her and, and one to give away mm-hmm. um but to know that if she wants something oh, really good. do you have your money no okay then we're not getting anything today yeah. because you don't just uh, i'm not a free bank account you don't just mm-hmm. spend my money so when she wants something bigger then yeah we we count it in the piggy bank or we keep putting money in the piggy bank or, or whatever so there's there's times too i mean when you're in a store and your kid wants something it's two thousand <laughs> one come on dad please but but i mean it's you you, you yes. it's easy yeah it's so easy it's it, it kills you inside to say no but you know it kills them to say yes every time mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're destroying their oh it kills the kids yeah absolutely yeah in the in the long run, man, you gotta oh please, but it's it's Saturday. Can I have this extra snap? Like, dude, no, it's, you it's can't. Just, no, it's no. Yeah. The easiest thing is to just change their their thought. You know, my daughter wants this. Just no, here, look at this. Oh, okay, and she's playing with <laughs> she cries for ten seconds and she's playing with something else. Yeah. So you just have to change their focus. Um, but yeah, I took like my says, I took easy. my niece to the store once, and she was like. Uncle Lal, sunglasses, sunglasses. I want sunglasses. And I was like, they're only five bucks. But they're going to hide your pretty eyes. Oh, I like it. I like uh, it. I like it. Can have a new... But, but then the, I think a lot more common is, oh, yes, I only see you once a year, twice a year. Good mm. Uncle Lyle. Okay, sure. Here they are. Oh, no, I'm not that kind of uncle. <laughs> I, saw, listen, I saw a wicked quote the other day. I don't know if, again, it was on Facebook. It said, if you, if you raise your kids well, you can spoil your grandkids. If you spoil your kids, you're gonna raise your grandkids. Do you understand? That's deep, man. Yeah. Oh, I got a T-shirt. I, yeah, that's that's the next yeah. T-shirt. I, I've seen that one. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Oh, I I read that. I that's that stopped me dead in my scroll. <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, no, that's oh, that's a that's a profound uh, profound knowledge. Eh? I know, I know, you guys are the interviewers, um, so you've got to be asking the questions. You're gonna flip this shit on us. Yes, sir. All right. Flip the script. What do you guys have planned in the pipeline? Um, how long do you plan to stay in Korea still? Nate scratching his head. He's gonna lie. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I got. I'll. I'll say. I'll, I'll answer you, first. Both of you seem very settled. Yeah. Into life in Korea. I'm very rude here, sir. Sure. Yeah. Good. I. Oh, it's. Oh, that's it's <laughs> such a, it's such a loaded it's, it's such a loaded long, it's the longest place I've ever lived. It's a it's in such a life, loaded like such, in one city even in Canada. This is the longest place I've ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. I moved around lots for hockey and stuff. So it's such a it's such a loaded question. Just like um, it, it's so comfortable here. It's you can work as much or as little as you want. Um, and again, you're not uh, we're, we're not millionaire. Oh, in Korean one, I guess we're millionaires. But the uh, there's no financial stress. And that, and I think that, 
that's a huge part of your of your life. If you can live day to day comfortably without having to stress out, without worrying, oh fuck, how am I gonna pay my car? But like, you know, you get to you get to a point, you got a house, you got a car, you can relax, man. I've never, I could never imagine, uh, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, just being, well, you know, at at our age and just free, yeah, and just going, ah. Oh, being able to sit so, down, like I got three, I got to teach three classes today. I have enough time to to sit down and have a have a conversation with you and do stuff outside of do stuff outside of work. Get my mind away from uh, from working or from teaching. And I mean, on top of all of it, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy making materials and and meeting new students and students from you know all different uh, all different levels and ages and whatnot. You, you mentioned New Zealand. And I believe New Zealand was the first country to go to two-generation mortgages. That's, oh. That now what the, am family, I getting? the family cannot pay off the mortgage in their lifetime, and it'll be passed on to their children. So 100 I bucks think, a month for 3,000 years. being here, <laughs> even being able to absorb any kind of, not catastrophe, but, you know, at home, if your furnace goes in the winter or, you know, the car breaks down or... And, those are big stresses for many, many people. I mean, we are very, very, very lucky to be in this situation. And, and I never take it for granted. So, you know, having the opportunity to travel once or twice a year for, for a month at a time, people at home don't have that opportunity. Yeah. Even with the greatest jobs, you get six or eight weeks, but, you know, it, it's hard to take it all at once or your kids are in. So for me, I would, I would say probably 10 years at least, unless, you know, barring any unforeseen uh, Kim Jong-un missiles or whatever. Um, but I'm happy here. We get to travel lots. It's cheap and easy to travel in Asia. We get to go home to Canada. Um, my family has come to Korea lots. So I, is it move home? I don't know. I move home for what? I don't know. Many people ask about family, but my family is spread out across mm. 7,000 miles. I don't even see them. If I go home, it doesn't mean I get yeah. to see them. It's not a small place. So yeah, I don't go home for what I, I'm kind of like you. I, I could see maybe a third party country, um, but my one of my big ties here is that my wife is a public school teacher, so she's very tied in. She has a very very good job, so yeah. we would be giving up a lot to leave. Um, but she also gets summers and winters off, which you know. So we have a very comfortable life here. So not not in the near future. I think the education system is great. She um, she only gets summers and winters off. How's my wife get the whole goddamn year off? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Brian? Um, does home still feel like home? When I when I visit, it's I again I got a, a, a solid like my family's all in the in the same uh, in the same area. It's so nice going home. It's mm. awesome to meet friends from high school. But it the, the novelty wears off. You, you 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 meet up with your friends, and everyone does. Everyone's got their own their own life, and they've carved their own their own path. Yeah, it's not high school anymore, right? I can't. It's not call the boys up and let's go. I call the boys up, and only one can make it. No, no, no. We get. <laughs> I get a good. Home. I get a good showing when we go home. But it's uh, again, you, we're in a in a totally different stage of stage of life, and uh, when I ref, you know, I don't. It scares me to think that some people get caught in that uh, in that cycle of like work, 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 work. I'm 60. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna relax. I'm now uh, at, at this stage like I'm appreciating and, and trying to take it all in. Like yeah. I don't have to grind every single day. Like um, 
you know, tomorrow my, I have a, a couple of classes in the afternoon. In the morning, I'll, work, I'll do a little work on the website or maybe edit this. But it's just, it's so nice to... Enjoy life. Yeah. It's, I went, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went for a, a walk in Grand Park with my wife on like a Tuesday morning. You just go like, this is so, th- this is how life should be, man. It shouldn't be that, you know, grind, 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 get smashed on the weekend and, you know, and then try and recover for, recover for Monday. It's, you gotta. I, I was just up in Solar on the way back from the YouTube concert on the bus <laughs> with Al. Um, he said, you know, it's funny in, in hockey, you have breaks between periods and in baseball, you have the seventh inning stretch and soccer games have a halftime. Why doesn't life have a halftime? Why don't we have a time in the in the middle of your life where you can just say, yeah. I'm taking two years off and I'm just going to do anything that I want to do. Um, so just the the societies we live in, the the, yeah. the life that we've, we've created for ourselves over the years. Um, why is there no time to just step back, breathe and just say, I'm going to enjoy and do whatever I want for yeah. six months, for a year, for whatever. And just to, and, and you know, I think if people did that, I think a lot of them wouldn't go back to work. Or they would find something, another passion that they would pursue or something else. Yeah. Because I think the monotony and the, you know, for a lot of people, just being in that groove, it feels uncomfortable getting out. But I know when I was young um, that people who got forced out of their jobs <clears throat> were, were terrified. But two, three years later, they were so much happier. Mm. They, they, but if they had to quit on their own, they never would have quit the job they didn't like. Yeah. But being forced out, they've been able to pursue other, other passions and things they wanted. And and then much happier after that. So. After uh, after getting married, me and the wife took six. Well, she's she's still off. I took six <laughs> months off. <laughs> she she doesn't listen this deep into it, but the uh, I I took six months off. I mean, this is going from like working like hard, man. Like there was there's some deep, some dark, dark days, man, of, of just gross 6 a.m. To, to 10 p.m. You know, going to the gym first, going to the gym. It was it was disgusting. Teacher, are you sleeping? Maybe nope. <laughs> just suffocating this fly under my eye. Just, uh, but you know, after we said, let's take six months. We we're newly married. Yeah. And in in that six months, and it wasn't even in the in the first week or the or the first month. It was three or four months in, where, man, I had it was like a, a personal growth spurt where it was like uh, I started thinking differently. I started opening my mind to because it wasn't just all work and thinking about work i had time to sit back and think i got into so like you had a, an epiphany when i yeah when i discovered like ted talks dude i'd sit <laughs> just it, it was it was really inspiring and just to listen to some of these people talk so some of my favorite days reflecting back on on that time where dude sitting it was like it was winter time so i'd sit at home i'd have like a have a hot tea you know hopang yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. like that little uh, that little snack with the what the hell's inside? Brown the, sugar. Or, uh, no, what is it? The red, oh, red bean. bean. The red bean paste in there. It's sweet. Do you have your food. blanket covering your legs. Yeah, dude. Listen, it, it, having a, having a warm floor and just yeah. that was such a such a relaxing time. And for the first time in my life, again, I paid my way through school, so that was you know mm-hmm. one job during the semester. You know, working doubles in the. In the, in the in the summer vacation, um, and that was the f- the first time in my life where you can sit back and go, ah, life can be something other than a, a total ball breaking <laughs> grind of of something that you don't view as uh, as as very 
um, rewarding or yeah. yeah. So so my question for you then, I, I find <clears throat> living in Korea is that uh, the thing that that keeps me here and that I like is or one of the biggest benefits is not having a proper job. That I don't have any stability, zero, for 15 years. <laughs> and, dude, and I get anxiety about what, that sometimes. That's what, that's what people at home, I think it's a very important thing. And people in Korea, they want to work for SK, Hyundai, Samsung, or LG, yeah. because, or, or the Gumuan, the government jobs, because that guarantees your future. Hmm. But I feel it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me active. keeps me learning. keeps me at the best of my game. <laughs> keeps me yeah. up at night. <laughs> um, and for you, m- maybe you feel similar or maybe not. I don't know. But... Is that is that a benefit to you, or does that cause you stress not having a f- secure future? Oh man, that's deep, deep, deep thought. Um, I remember growing up, like in my community, all of the aunties, and you you have to be careful um, who you get advice from, mm. right? Like I remember the people in my church, uh, they would, and it would come from a point of love, a place of love, right? And they would say, "Oh, you need to get a council job with benefits." Mm. So working with a council, it's it's minimum pay, but I mean, there's some benefits. There's the medical insurance, and and in that community, that was like the way to get to get out of of that community is getting getting a council job. Um, but you're stuck, no matter how hard you work, you would still get more or less the same the same pay. The thing that I really appreciate in Korea is I get to earn depending on how hard I work. Yeah, all your so if, Yeah, if yeah. I choose to have 10, 15 classes a day. Um, it is taxing on, on the body. But I mean, at the end of the month, when, you, when you're counting the bucks, or, yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at the point in my life now where I get bored very easily. Like, um, <laughs> so yeah, I basically had to force me to take vacation. And a while back, we, we went to Bali for a week. The agreement was... So we'll go to Bali, and the agreement was no work. Man, after two days... Where's my goddamn computer? <laughs> I was checking emails. Uh, yeah. You know, I was messaging students again, and I I literally couldn't wait to get back. Um, That's... At the end of my vacations, too, I'm itching, like, I wouldn't mind teaching. I, I'd like to see this class, or I, I want to get back to the website, or, or yeah. do this or that. It's fun. Yeah. And I think that's the... That's, Cool, man. That's how well, life on, should be. One month is different than two days into your trip. <laughs> yeah, but for me, I'm having fun, man. As hard as I'm working, I'm really having fun. Yeah, enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, if you and, listen to any any uh, any successful person, no one ever says like it's the end point that counts. Check your bank account in twenty years. That's what's important. Everyone says, dude, it's the journey. Any any Absolutely. any hard work that you do, that's what makes the 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 goal or the reward more more rewarding, right? So that's when, when you ask about leaving. That's I just love the freedom here and, and not having that job that even that I have to stay in for more than a year yeah. or two years because that's all the contracts they offer here. You know that you can always get out. You always and, and you know that you have to stay on top of your game mm-hmm. and, and knowing that there's also a safety net of well, if I don't have a real job i can do all kinds of you know side hustles which yeah. you can't do at home i mean it's much more difficult to do at home you can do it but it's a lot harder yeah. but here i mean i've lost big company jobs i've lost university jobs for hey you're we put a five-year cap on your contract it finishes next year what what you just invented that yeah it's done oh these are only two years and you got to get out these are so so whatever i mean forced out or or option to get out but i like having that freedom and 
like you say, being able to work as hard or as little as you want to make yourself enjoy life or, or comfortable in your living. Being being in control. Back to Jeffy's podcast. There, we asked. You know, he's been here over over twenty years, and we said, "What what keeps you motivated? What how does the how does the fire still alive this is after Jeff Young? Jeff Young, yeah, oh, legend. Yeah, <laughs> and you know." Dude, if you've ever seen him teach, the guy goes in. I don't know if it's the three liters of mint chocolate milk he drinks before the before the class, but he that that guy's a hundred percent every single. I've never seen him slack. In, in my experience, the guy is a hundred and ten percent every single class. And what keeps him motivated? He said, "I I have control over my work. There's no one beacon at him to, you know, change this, change that. No micromanagement of his class. He picks and chooses much or as little as he wants to work. And I think that." Overall, what I wanted to say earlier, overall, when I look back from at 50 or 60 years old, I don't want to say like, oh, I spent my whole time working. Like, you know, I'm doing stuff I want now. I, I'm not, I don't want to wait until I'm, till I'm 60. My biggest yeah. fear is working nine to five and enough. <laughs> That's, that scares the hell out of me. I, yeah. I, I just, I like, like, you know, even when I'm working at, at a university, I still have privates and I go here and I go there and I go to this company and this, this. Yeah. So in one week, I visit the police station, city hall, the YW, all over. And I like that variety. Like you say, I get bored of sitting at the same desk or doing the same thing over and over. So I like having kindergarten. I'm at the kindergarten three days a week for an hour each. It's only an hour, but it keeps me youthful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the university kids keep me you know, on my toes to challenge them, to motivate them, to, to inspire them. Um, the, the women... I learned a lot about careers from the, from my women's mm. classes, so I, I like the variety. Mm. And to me, the amazing thing is every class you teach requires a different teaching style. Yeah. Right? So with the kids, it's all high energy, uh, you know, lots of hugs. Whereas <laughs> with, with the conversation classes, the Ajumuni classes, you can have a conversation and they'll give you life lessons, man. Yeah. yeah. Like I always told him that... Um, yeah, that's my, my therapy session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, so we'll speak about marriages. We'll speak about the challenges that they face in, in their marriages. They'll speak about what it's like being married to a Korean husband. They'll ask me what it's like being married as a foreigner, being married to a, yeah. to a Korean. Um, yeah, we'll speak about real life issues. Yeah. Um, I remember the one class we, we spoke about um, DNR. Resuscitate. resuscitate yeah. yeah. And the one lady shared a very, very personal experience that she had with her mother where they turned off the life support machines um, and what letting go was like and how she worked mm. through uh, through the stages of grief. Um, so yeah, every class requires something different of me, but also every class gives me something different. Yeah. Right, so that's what I love about, about what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So I'm totally with you on that one, dude. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Dude, so much more we can get into, but time is, uh, time is running short. Just before we before we wrap up, man. Um, yeah, you guys are doing amazing work, you know, with with this um, this podcast and in everything else that you're doing, uh, the We Hope uh, organization, and then also the ESL Hacker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah nice. Man, keep, keep grinding, man. Um, it's it's inspirational. The fact that you guys want to do more and. Uh, same same to you, man. I see those. I see those. I read four books this week, and uh, you know, I'm on a I'm on a plane. I'm going here. I'm going there. That's that's inspirational for us too. I love uh, I love that. Can't be afraid of hard work. Yes, sir. Well, we yeah. will we will post the the links or, or whatever for the website and the camps and stuff on the podcast. So if you're curious or want to check it out, go ahead and geniusenglishcamp.com. Yeah, uh, it's genius-camps.com. Yeah, genius-camps.
dot com. Awesome. Dude, thanks for coming. Good luck. Uh, good luck next week. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Bye-bye.